Hey, everybody. All right, before you sit down, hey, I was standing over here uh, praying, and this is, this is Anderson Campus only plus the internet. So internet, welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, but for Anderson Campus, I, I felt this impression while I was standing over here, uh, and I bounced it off of somebody, and, and we're just going to do this right now. Um, in addition to what we just prayed for, because praying is awesome, there are two people groups that I want to pray for right now. One, I know that our uh, minority brothers and sisters that are in this room have experienced a level of hurt over the past couple of weeks that, uh, just frankly, as, as white people, I, I don't know what that's like. So if I want to pray for them. And the other group of people that I want to pray for is teachers specifically, um, because I think both of those people groups over the past week have experienced a level of fear that I just can't relate to. And so for the Anderson campus right now, uh, would you just, everybody, we're not, we're not going to circle up or anything like that, but right now, if you don't mind, just out loud, 30 seconds praying for those two people groups, whatever God puts on your heart, those two groups of people asking specifically for boldness, for comfort, and for courage. Let's, let's ask for those things for those people groups right now. Father, I just ask right now in the name of Jesus um, for, for teachers around the state, God, that you would put boldness in them, God, that you would give them courage to lead and pastor uh, the students that they have in the room, um, and that, that, Lord, you would comfort them as they have to deal with fear. The same thing, God, uh, for, my, for my minority brothers and sisters all over the country, Lord, that have to deal with a fear that I just, I don't understand. God, would you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, embolden them, remind them of their uh, uh, Imago Dei, that they are made in your image, God, that they are sons and daughters, um, and they can walk in the comfort of that, God. Lord, take back ground. Take ground, God. Your kingdom advance all over this country to remove hate, to remove evil, to remove racism, to remove demonic activity that causes people to do stuff like this. In the name of Jesus, do that. We love this and we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Um, a couple things that I wanna do uh, off, off top. Uh, the first one is this. If you're new to New Spring Church, what's up? My name's Riley. Uh, I'm the campus pastor here at the Anderson campus. I'm glad that you're with us. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, uh, I, would, I would love to meet you. Uh, if you haven't been around New Spring for any amount of time, and I know we got a specific group of people that's just checking out New Spring for the first time. I'm gonna speak to them in just a moment. Uh, but here, here's what we're about. We want everyone, every where to have an everyday relationship with Jesus. And so we are all about getting people connected to Jesus and getting them connected to other people that can help point them to Jesus. So in light of something that Brad said uh, just a few minutes ago surrounding Memorial Day, I wanna point out a, a, a group of folks that we partner with as a church called Vets Helping Vets. They're here in Anderson, um, and they may be in other places, but I know we've got a large group of them here in Anderson. They're back there in the balcony. Can y'all just wave your hands? Y'all are under the balcony. Yeah, they're back. See them back there? There's like 40 men and women. Yeah. Thank y'all so much for y'all's 
Thank you for your service, but also thank you for the service that you provide to other veterans and families of veterans who may have uh, lost loved ones. So going into this Memorial Day weekend, just want to acknowledge that sacrifice that one y'all made, but also uh, knowing that y'all lost loved ones and brothers and friends uh, as they, they gave up their life so that we could celebrate Jesus' day and live in freedom. So thank y'all again for that. We appreciate y'all being here. And we've had the chance as a church uh, to partner with them uh, over this past week. They do great work in our community. They're helping advance the kingdom of God here in Anderson. One other thing that I want to point out, we just prayed for the next generation a few moments ago. And I want to tell you a very, very brief story and then tell you about something that's coming up. So my good friend, Trey Burns, he's sitting uh, right down here. We were out there in the atrium, I guess two or three weeks ago. And uh, this like 25-ish year old young person comes up to him and I didn't really recognize him, uh, but he like, Trey recognizes him immediately, daps him up, hugs him. They start chatting it up. And I realized that this is this guy named Daniel. And Daniel, as I'm listening to the conversation, it's like all rushing back to me. Daniel was a few student, sixth grade all the way through 12th grade. And he looks at Trey and he says, they're out there in the atrium. So if you're not on the Anderson campus, you're online watching, I'm sorry. But for you guys, when you walk out, you know those big white columns that are out in the atrium. Do you know what I'm talking about? Somebody shake your head, please. Okay, thank you. Um, anybody over here? Yeah, I'm looking this way. Y'all show, okay, yeah. He points at one of the white columns and he goes, that's where you asked me to be in your fuse group. It changed my life. 25 years old, talking to this man right here and, and has that memory. Now, at the end, we got Fuse, our student ministry. It meets every uh, Sunday morning here at the Anderson campus for middle schoolers. That's sixth through uh, um, eighth grade over in the East Auditorium. And then on Wednesday nights for high schoolers, it meets over in the Fuse building in the East Auditorium. But at the end of this month, we have something coming up called the weekend. It's our summer camp. Uh, there, right there, boom, look at that. Here's what I'm believing, okay? Seriously, thanks, Caitlin. Here's what I'm believing. There are students that something's gonna happen over those four days at the end of July that when they're 25, they're gonna walk up to somebody and go, that weekend changed my life. It's going to happen. Now, there are a couple ways you can be a part of that. One, if you're a student or you have students, you need to be there. If you just came out of fifth grade, going all the way up to 12th grade, you need to be there. I don't care if you don't know anybody. I don't care if you don't have a leader. I don't care if you think it's weird. Man, a new place and a new pace can change your perspective. I want you to be there. So parents, you're still a parent. Make your kids go. They got to do what you say. If you're like, oh, my kids, stop being their friend and be their parent. Make them go. Make them go. Okay. Second thing, if you're like, my kids are old. I'm not a kid. Well, guess what you can do? You can give. There's an abundance of resource at this campus that we get to tap into all the time. And I'm talking to Anderson right now like I wouldn't talk to everybody else because I know a lot of y'all. I want you to be a part of this financially. In fact, this is the need that exists. In order for us not to come out of our proverbial savings account, out of pocket, we need $93,000 to be able to make sure that everything's taken care of so that we can put this camp on here in Anderson for these students. We can knock out $93,000 this week. So I want you, I've already given, my wife and I have already given. I want you to talk to your family or if you're by yourself, talk to God. If you're with your family, family talk to God about what you're gonna do in order to make this happen. Because I'm telling you, there's going to be some young man or young woman that meets a Trey Burns that walks up to them in 12, 13, 15, 20 years and goes, that changed my life. And I want you to be a part of it. Can you say amen? Okay, don't say amen and not do something. Say amen. Now, all of y'all that said it, you gotta do something. Okay, so... 
All right, let me, uh, let me get my iPad rolling here. With the iPad, the last iPad update, they turned off the ability for you to like make your screen not go black. I don't know why. Apple, Duh. Okay, so here's, here's, what we're, here's what we're doing. Today we're wrapping up uh, a series called Mark by Victory, a message from your campus pastor, okay? And so today what we're gonna do, we've been walking through Romans 8, the entire chapter of Romans 8, verse by verse, over the last six weeks. I am week seven, and I am going to wrap up the series today. Now, what I wanna do, in case you're just jumping in, or you folks that are uh, vets, helping vets, I wanna give you a little recap of where we've been so that you're not just, it's not lost on you where we are today. So the first six weeks, we looked at all that God has done so we could live marked by victory. All right, so I'm gonna roll through these uh, uh, week by week. Week one, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Week two, we talked about how there's life by the spirit. Because of the spirit inside of us, we have the power to resist living like practical atheists. We owe nothing to the flesh, okay? Week three, the spirit of adoption. We are God's children. He has brought us in and given given us an inheritance because we are his children. Week four, there's purpose in suffering. It's not for nothing. There's a future glory that we can look to. Week five, the point of our salvation is to be conformed into the image of Christ until we are glorified in him. And then last week, week six, God is for me and God's love has me. Now, as I was preparing for this and looking through all of this, one of the things that I quickly realized is, man, God has done a lot to mark us with victory. Amen? Like God has done so much. And as I was thinking about that, uh, very quickly, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, and you have a part to play in that too. So it's not just what God has done, it's what we can do to partner with God and what he has done for us. Can I get at least one head shake? Okay, so like we have a part to play in this too. And so as I'm preparing for this, uh, we're, that's what we're gonna look at today. We're gonna look at the, the partnership that we can take or, or the role that we have to partner with God uh, in, in being marked by victory. So as I'm preparing for this, uh, one of the things that's true about New Spring is we don't have a teaching pastor. We've got a team of folks that teach together. So everything you're gonna hear today is not something that was created in a vacuum by me, like I didn't sit in a closet and this is the first time everybody's hearing it. When we do this, we, we do this together, we prepare messages together so we're able to bounce things off of each other, get feedback, get coaching. There's a verse that might be good here, so on and so forth. Well, a couple weeks ago, I was preparing for this and I was rolling some, or, or me and Brad were going to the gym and I was talking to him about a couple things. And he said, there's a Tony Evans message uh, that you may want to listen to because I think it, it has some quotes in it that may be good. And, and as I was listening, I was like, yeah, you're right. This is great. So we got this quote that I want to share with us to start the day off because we have things that we can do to partner with God. Here we go. Tony Evans. A stronghold is a mindset that accepts a situation as unchangeable, even though we know it's against the will of God. <clears throat> Look at this. Christians have been duped, tricked into believing that if you have a stronghold, you're supposed to have it. There's no way out. Now, another, another way to say that, uh, when I was growing up, still am, but when I was growing up, I was a giant Clemson football fan, like unfortunately idolatrous in my life, okay? Like lived, breathed, all of it, it was, I'm about it. And when the schedule would come out, you know, any college football fans or fans of anything, a fan of literally anything, raise your hand. Come on, guys, please, okay? When the schedule comes out, you're anticipating, you're like, I'm gonna look at the schedule. Wofford, win. Citadel, win. This is in the 90s. Georgia Tech, oh, I don't know, but I'm gonna give us a win because I'm a fan. You keep rolling through. You get to Florida State. In the 90s, what'd you get when you played Florida State? Loss, L, big L, 54 to seven, Chris Winkie play action, 98 yard touchdown, L. You know what I'm saying? Like snatch the soul out of my 13 year old body, L. 
all hope dashed loss. You look at the schedule and you see L, L, win, loss, win. Florida State's a loss. Well, looking at that Tony Evans quote, strongholds, losses, I kind of had that in my mind. And a couple weeks ago, uh, I'm sitting right down here and my sister Maranox is preaching and I'm looking at this beautiful, I'm gonna turn my back to y'all for a minute for a reason. I'm looking at this beautiful uh, wall back here and it says marked by victory. It doesn't say a message from your campus pastor. And my good friend, Justin Harrison is on this side and I'm thinking about my message and thinking about what I'm gonna say and what God wants to say to us. And I kind of got this stronghold thing rolling in my mind. And I kind of got this, uh, we got losses rolling in my mind. And then I see over here, it's like the Lord just did it for me. It said, marked by victory, except for blank. And I thought, that's kind of the life that I have lived. And I kind of the life that I believe that I was supposed to live. Or it's like, yeah, yeah, I know I'm marked by victory, except for Saturday nights. I'm marked by victory, except for how I talk to my wife when I'm tired at the end of the day. I'm marked by victory except for the level of patience I can have with my kids, except for tobacco, except for how I spend my money, except for what I look at on my phone, except for how I talk to people, except for when I'm supposed to be kind, except for, except for, except for, except for, except for. And Romans 8.37 says, no, in all things, not except for, but in all things, we are more than conquerors because of him who loved us. So what I want to do today is talk about how we live a 12 and 0, no strongholds, not except for life, but a victory in all things, marked by victory life. Is that okay with y'all? Okay, so let's pray, and then we're going to jump into that. Father, I just want to thank you that in all things we are more than conquerors because of what Jesus has done for us. Holy Spirit, will you stir that up today? Will you stir it up in me? Will you stir it up in this room? Uh, will you stir it up in the individuals that are in here that are watching online? God, we need you to show us how to walk in victory. We need that. I need that. Do it today, Lord. We love you and we pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Okay, now, with the idea of Florida State being a loss, a stronghold, except for the, the, the way that I've titled this message in my brain is keys to victory. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, meaning this is not all encompassing. You're not gonna find all the keys to victory here, but these are four things that in my life, I have seen that when I implement these and I walk in them consistently, I have very few except fours. Or if I do have except fours, it's hard for them to stay there for a long time. That makes sense? Okay, so point number one. Humility, humility, because victory and pride don't go together. You can't win and be prideful. <clears throat> pride is the sin behind every sin. And the way that we want to define sin today is if God has asked you to do something either in the scripture or through his Holy Spirit and you say no, sin. If God has asked you not to do something either in the scripture or by his Holy Spirit and you do it, Sin. Does that make sense? Right, good? Head shake? Okay. So I got a couple of verses I want to read. Not all of these are going to be up on the screen, uh, but one of them will be. <clears throat> Proverbs 11:2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. Sounds good. But with the humble is wisdom. I would prefer the latter. He leads the humble. This is, I'm sorry, this is Psalm 25, 9. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. This one will be on the screen. This is Colossians 3:12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Leave that up there for just a moment. I remember, um, guys, it's been 10 years ago. My good friend Tad gave me a book that I read about humility. And I realized as I was reading it, 
like, oh, I'm really prideful. <laughs> um, and there's some things that I should probably change about my life and need to do differently. And so I started doing a little bit of research and looking up the word humility in the back of my Bible. And then I, I come to this verse and I remember the Lord highlighting that put on then for me. Now, let me tell you why. I'm looking around the room. Fantastic. Everybody has on clothes. Amazing. <laughs> come on, guys. All right. I got one, one lady right here laughed. I appreciate you, ma'am. See me afterwards for $5. Okay. Um, all you got on clothes. When you walked into your closet or your chest of drawers, I don't want to assume anything, the pile on the floor in the corner, you can take the, you can take the verse down now. So again, so I'm, I'm relating to people back here, the pile on the floor. Did you go, jump on me, baby? Or did you pick something out and you put it on. What the Bible says right there is humility is a choice. Put on then humility. Choose it. Decide that you're going to be. My wife chose this for me this morning. But then I had to put it on. Okay? So for me, one of the things that's difficult is to, is to know practically how do I choose that. Because is it just walking around going, oh, I'm so terrible. No, that's not humility. Okay, um, so I've, I've had to come up with some questions for me personally, and I'm going to walk through these, and I may spend a little bit more time on some than the others, but I'm just going to read them, and I want you to think about these things, because this will be a good test, or, or this, this will actually be a good tool for you to put in your phone, put somewhere, so that you can, um, you can reference back throughout the course of the week. Because, let, let's just, this is a side note, I did not plan on saying this, but I feel like I'm supposed to. This, this 35 minutes on a weekly basis probably isn't going to change your life, but if you do something with what happens every week on 30, that 35 minutes, it will. So, like, I don't want you just to come to church and feel victorious for the next 15 minutes when you leave. I want you to take these tools and go be victorious. Go be marked by victory. Don't just feel marked by victory until something happens in the car on the way home. So, back to here. All right, here's some questions. To, to kind of give a test, are you walking in humility? Are you choosing humility or not? Do I choose to serve my family, friends, and coworkers? Do I choose to ask for forgiveness? Probably should have said this one first. Do I choose to say I'm sorry? When's the last time you said I'm sorry? Maybe whether it was your fault or not. Do I choose to listen? Do I choose to put others before myself? Do I choose to ask for help? Do I choose to submit to God and to people that love God and me? Do I choose to ask God for humility? Because while it is a choice, God can help us choose to grow in it. So do you choose to do those things? Do you choose humility? Because humility is a key to victory because victory and pride don't go together. All right, so point number one was what? Humility. Point number two, discipline. Everybody say discipline. Y'all all sound so excited about this word. The reason, the reason discipline is here is one, because I'm gonna get into the Bible in a minute and it says so, but two, victory and a lack of self-control do not go together. You are not going to be victorious and not have self-control. <laughs> I'm sorry, the thought that just came into my head is like one of those New York people, sorry if you're from New York, being like, forget about it. Like that, that thought is what entered my head just a moment ago. If you could read my brain, that's what happened. So let me read some of these scriptures to you. 
Proverbs 19.15. Some of these won't be on the screen. The last one will be. Proverbs 19.15. Slothfulness cast into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Proverbs 5.23. He dies for a lack of discipline. Okay, just pause very quickly. It doesn't say things don't go good. doesn't say it's kind of sucky. doesn't say, oh, I wish I'd have done something different. He dies for a lack of discipline. And because of his great folly, he is led astray. Proverbs 25, 28, this will be up on the screen. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Leave that up there. <clears throat> a couple points I want to make this about this. A city without walls is always on the brink of disaster. Now, in our context, you're like, oh, Anderson doesn't have a wall. But think about when this was written. The wall was what protected the city. In fact, the wall was the city's way of saying no. You can't have that. You can't do that. You're not going to touch that. Don't come here. You're not welcome. A city without walls is always under or always on the brink of attack. At any moment, it could be attacked, stolen from, killed, or destroyed, which is the enemy's plan for us, if you remember. John 10.10, 10, steal, kill, destroy. But God came that we could, or Jesus came that we could have life and have it to the fullest, right? And so you want to... to um, not give the enemy what he wants, then build the wall of self-control. Let me ask you a couple questions. Well, before I do, let me point this out. So in Romans 8, Paul uses the word flesh a lot. Like that, that word is in uh, all scattered throughout Romans 8. Do you listen to your flesh? Uh, don't obey the flesh, you know, spirit in the flesh. Flesh in the Greek, if you want to trace it back, is actually a word sarx, S-A-R-X. And what it means at its root um, is, is this, animal nature with cravings that incite sin. Animal nature. How many of you have a dog? Okay. How many of your dogs poop? Okay. This next one's going to be a little whatever. How many of your dogs have ever eaten their own or someone else's poop? Okay. And you're like, why do you do that? I'm a dog. That's what I do. That's animal instinct. So it's like, I just go with my gut. I just go with what I feel. Go eat your own poop then. I, I just have the ninth beer. Go eat your own poop. I just go to my room by myself with my computer because I know I can. Go eat your own poop. So when you frame it up like that, it's like, oh, that makes, okay, flesh, animal instinct. Got it. I'm with you. Now. Let me ask you a couple questions. Are, are there places that you throw off self-control? Maybe get a little sarksy. You know what I'm saying? So when I was uh, my sophomore year at Clemson, I vividly remember this. I weighed 259 pounds. The reason I know that, thank you for whoever said, wow, I appreciate that. <laughs> wow. I had hair too. Thank you. Okay. My gosh, really, y'all are really great, you know? But I, the reason I remember 259 is because I stepped on the scale. I had on a pair of Abercrombie cargo shorts that were a size 40 in the waist. There was a blue moose for Abercrombie embroidered on the side of them. And I saw 259, 40 in the waist. And those things, listen, they were screaming. <laughs> screaming to be a 42. But I didn't have humility. But then I did when I saw 259. And I remember I had to change some things about my life. 
And so I started, started eating a little different, started doing things a little different. Now I eat pretty clean. Uh, uh, I, I try to work out on a regular basis. And I got a buddy of mine that we, we text back and forth about how we're eating and what we're doing just to kind of hold each other accountable. And, but I have a, a cheat meal a week. And a couple weeks ago, we went together to, to dinner. And I had, this is what I had for dinner. I probably had like seven or eight pieces of pizza, a half a thing of nachos, an entire pretzel. Wow, right, you know? But it was my cheat meal. And I, the, I felt terrible, got home, woke up the next morning, still felt terrible. And this, this idea, the Lord kind of, I was like, why do I feel so bad? And the Lord told me, because you abandoned self-control. So even on your cheat meal, have one cookie, have one piece of pizza, have two pieces of pizza. Don't have seven. Don't abandon self-control. So are there places in your life where you abandon self-control? You know what they are. If you don't know what they are and you're like, I don't know, could you put down coffee for two weeks? Because, co- listen, coffee's not a sin unless it's got you. Unless you can't say, no, I'm not going to eat that poop. I mean, right? So if you wonder, like, I don't know, could you get, could you get off TikTok or Instagram for two weeks? I don't, I don't know. Try it. Because we have to develop discipline. We want to have walls. Because without walls, we are, we are on the brink of disaster at all times. So here, here's a couple of things, uh, or I guess a question you could ask yourself that will help you determine whether you're actually developing discipline or not. Are there things in your life that you do on a regular basis solely because you know they are good for you, even if you don't feel like it or if they're hard? No wows on that. Are there things in your life that you do on a regular basis solely because you know they're good for you? whether you feel like it or whether they're hard or not. So we're at the beach uh, two weeks ago with my family and I asked them, can you give me some examples of things that y'all would say you do on a regular basis even though you don't feel like it or they're hard? Here's the list they gave me. Some of them are kind of funny. Prayer, reading scripture. Those aren't funny. We should do those even though they're hard. They're hard for me. Serving others, again, working out. Getting up early, going to bed early. My sister said this, I thought it was funny. Brushing your teeth. Eating at home instead of eating out. My parents said this, they're, they're uh, right around 60. And my dad said like, I don't want to go to the doctor because of the fear that it gives me, but I know it's good for me, so I do it anyway. So I thought that, was, that may be helpful. Um, driving, my mom said this, driving the speed limit. I was like, oh, okay, mom. <laughs> go ahead with it. Drink water. <laughs> my sister said this one too, be nice to people. In the category of things that are hard, but I do them because I'm supposed to. Saving money, putting my phone away. Basically, how often do you say no to the flesh? How often do you take a step back from being sarksy? It's important. You need to be able to do that. All right, point number two is what? Discipline. Discipline, very good. Point number three, community. Because victory and isolation do not go together. Now, let me read this verse. It's gonna be up on the screen. Proverbs 18.1. I've said this a zillion times from this stage. Thank you, Charlie Bagwell. He gave me a piece of paper at Cracker Barrel 13 years ago that had this verse written on it. I carry around in my pocket till it was in my heart, not in my pocket. He who isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out against all sound judgment. Leave that there for just a second. I wanna make this point. You can be isolated and be surrounded by people all the time. Just because you play golf with somebody doesn't, doesn't mean you aren't isolated. 
Just because you sit behind the backstop of a Little League game for seven straight games in 200-degree weather doesn't mean you aren't isolated. So how do you know if you're isolated or not? Do you have people in your life who love God and love you that know you? I'm talking about know you. Know everything about you. Everybody doesn't need to know you on that level, but you need to have some people in your life that do. Let me give you um, uh, a, a, couple, a couple of examples. Th- this is what I found out in, in, in my life. <clears throat> I need people to help judge my decisions. Contrary to popular, popular belief, you need people that love God and love you that will judge you. That will tell you, that's not a good decision. So this idea of like safe place is something that I've started to hear over the course of the past couple of years, which I think the intent of it is amazing to have a place that you can go and tell your emotions, talk about what's happened to you, how you're feeling, all of those things. Let me, I wrote this down. I want to make sure I say it very clearly. A safe place is not somewhere we go to have our feelings affirmed, or our actions validated. Safe places point us to scripture and help us step into all the promises that God has for us. So if your safe place is letting you do things or or affirming things that are outside of the scriptures or outside of the character of God, that ain't safe, that's dangerous. Those Those people are not helping you, they're hurting you. You need people that are gonna correct, that are gonna judge. Tupac theology is bad theology. You need other people to help you. So, For me, uh, I've got a handful of guys, Tad, Tyler, uh, I know some of y'all may not know these dudes, but I'm just saying this so you're not like, yeah, who's the list? You you say you got guys. Who are your guys? Tad, Tyler, Tyler somewhere down here, Brad, Charlie, Jason Wilson, Alan Cawthorn. Those are guys that I have in my life, and I've given them these questions and asked them to ask me this, except for Tad. We haven't had this conversation yet, so don't be like, oh, he's a liar. Being honest, I haven't talked to Tad about this yet, but I've talked to the other guys about this. Um, I got convicted right there. Sorry. Two questions that I've asked them to ask me on a regular basis because accountability uh, only works if I'm willing to be honest, right? And so these are two questions that I've asked them to ask me on a regular basis because in this season of my life, I think that these are places that I could step into sin. Do I have any, I, I need y'all to, I need these guys to ask me this, they knew this. Do I have any relationships in my life right now that if they were to be brought to light, I would be ashamed? Now, I'm not talking about just like adulterous, uh, sexual, or inappropriate emotion relationships with other women. I'm talking about, hey, do you have any relationship? Meaning, are you like sidling up beside somebody because they've got a business opportunity and you want to try to make some money? You know what I'm saying? So for me, how I, because I'm good with words, I can make people like me, just confessing. And so I have, to, I have to have people judge my motives. And the only way I know to have them judge my motives is for them to ask me questions. And if I'm a lot of my best friends, then I'm in, I'm in a way worse place than I thought I was in anyway. Second question, is there anything in my life that I haven't confessed that I need to or anything that I haven't asked for forgiveness that I need to? Am I hiding anything? Point number three, community. Point number four, that leads into point four, transparency. Transparency, because victory and secrets don't go together. You are going to have except fours in your life. You are going to have strongholds in your life. You are going to have L's on your schedule if you have secrets. 
take it to the bank. Secrets will kill you. Show what the Bible says. Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he, who, he, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. I'm gonna read that again. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. So whoever hides things will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. That's Proverbs 28, 13. James 5, 16. This is gonna be up on the, on the screen. You may have heard this before. <clears throat> Therefore, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and it's working. Accountability only works to the level that we are willing to be honest. How many of you have had an account? I'm, raising my, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm gonna raise mine and you can raise it in your heart, okay? Because I just, I know. How many of you have had an accountability partner and you told them a lie? or a half-truth, confession's hard. It's embarrassing. I wrote this down because I've decided I can't keep secrets. I'm not gonna keep secrets. I'm not gonna have secrets about what's in my bank account, what's on my phone, what I, what I, who I talk to, how I talk to them, how my kids, I'm not, I'm not, having, I'm not having secrets. Wrote this, confession does cost something but the cost of confession is far less than the cost of concealing. If you hide things, it will bite you. You can bounce back from confession. It's very difficult to bounce back from secrets. It's hard. So a couple questions, and then we're gonna close. And I have some questions on the screen and we're gonna spend a couple minutes thinking about it, praying about it. Is there anything going on that you are hiding? Talking about transparency, is there anything going on in your life that you're hiding? So for me, when I get asked that question, I immediately start thinking like, no, I'm not hiding anything. And then I have to ask myself this question because I can kind of skirt the hiding one. Is there anything in your life that you hope people won't ask you about? And that reveals if you're hiding something. I want us to live victorious, 12 and 0, in all things, no strongholds, marked by victory, not except for lives. But we're gonna have to have humility. We're gonna have to have discipline. We're gonna have to have community and we're gonna have to have transparency. And I'm telling you that because I've lived without it and it is awful. L's on the schedule. I'm playing Florida State every day, I feel like. But when I have these things, I feel more like when we play Florida State now, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Give it to them, dubs, baby. And so I've got four questions that I think will be helpful for us um, that you can take a picture of, you can write them down. Uh, you may need to use these this week. You may need to use these with your spouse. You may need to use these with your family, use these in your group. You may need to use these in perpetuity, on forever. I learned that from Shark Tank, I'm not that smart. On forever. The first one is this, and they're all tied back to the first point, so the, or to the four points. The first point was humility. So this question, how can I put on humility today and the next and the next and the next and the next? Remember choosing to serve your family, choosing to ask God for humility, 
choosing to confess, choosing to ask for forgiveness, choosing to say, I'm sorry, choosing to listen. How can I put on humility today and the next? Second question. Point two, we, we, these, are, these are out of order, I'm sorry. Uh, this, is, this is my fault, no one else's fault. Point two, this is tied to transparency. Is there something that I'm hiding that needs to be exposed? Is there something that I'm hiding that needs to be exposed? Point number three, with discipline, are there areas that I abandon self-control, that I get a little sarksy? Nah, it's okay if I eat my poop. Again, when you think about it that way, it just changes it, right? Are there areas that I abandon self-control? And number four, am I in relationships with people who love God and love me? Now, here's what I want us to do. I want us to take just a couple of minutes right now with those questions in mind, and I want you to bow your head, and I just want you to ask God if there's anything he wants to say to you. If you need to write it down on your phone, that's fine, but I would ask you, please try to like limit distraction, put those things aside and just spend some time, you and God, are there things that he wants to say to you specifically about these four questions? We're gonna take about 30, 45 seconds, maybe a minute and hear from the Lord on this. So let's do that now. trusting and believing that God said something to you, that he's got something for you to mark you with victory and to show you how you can partner with him in that. Now, one thing that I do want to, I want to point out is this. Uh, I recognize as I'm talking about this, because I've seen it in my own life, if this sounds, how many of, how many of you think this sounds hard? Anybody willing to raise their hand and say this sounds hard? Yes. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate that. Hi, King. Yes. If it sounds hard, it's because it's hard. It's hard. Jesus told us it would be hard. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. There's a lot of people that don't do this, that don't live marked by victory. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So I wanna, I wanna challenge you, man, don't be overwhelmed. Just start somewhere because God has done everything so that you could live a victorious life. I want you, we want you, we wanna partner with you as you walk in victory. I don't want you to have accept for us. I want you to have a Romans 8:37. in all things, we are more than conquerors life. And I will do literally anything I possibly can to help you, anything. I want that for you. We want that for you. And so would you, would you stand with me and, and we're gonna pray and we're gonna ask God for that.
Let's pray together. Father, you have made a way. You made a way for us to be marked by victory. You have done everything. You have made us sons and daughters. There's no condemnation, God. You've allowed us to live a life by the Spirit. You're making us look more like Christ, God. We know that the suffering that we're in now, there's a future glory for it, God. And we know that you love us. You're for us and your love has us, God. And we wanna partner with all of that. So God, we say yes. I want us to be a people that says yes to the hard thing. That says yes to the narrow gate that says yes to to doing it the way that God designed it to be done. And that's gonna take humility and that's gonna take discipline and that's gonna take community and that's gonna take transparency. And God, we say yes to all of that, King Jesus. So through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you put the boldness inside of my brothers and sisters today to walk in all of that, to know that they are more than conquerors in all things. Do it, Lord. We love you and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And all my victorious brothers and sisters said...